Incident Management Advanced course is our three-day, 24-hour premier course. It is my favorite course of the dozen or so that we do. Costs about $62,000, and you can get it for free. Interested? Stick around. Welcome to the Active Shooter Incident Management Podcast. My name is Bill Godfrey, your podcast host. I am seated today with three of our uh, my fellow C3 Pathways instructor. I got Pete Kelting here from the law enforcement side. Pete, good to have you back in the studio. Thanks for having me, Bill. And we've got Jill McElway, uh, like myself, on the fire EMS side. Jill, good to see you again. Good to see you. Glad to be here. And Don Tootin, yes, back sir. in the house. Back in the house. And Glad still, to be here. Thank still you. still sporting the... Uh, still, hey, when you retire, you get to grow a beard. So <laughs> good things happen. All right. Well, hey, so today's topic is going to be a fun one because we're going to talk about the Active Shooter Incident Management Advanced course and how our audience can sign up to get it hosted for free at their location. So, and and I'll, I'll talk more about this at the end, but just so people aren't kind of wondering, this there is a DHS funding for us to go out and deliver these classes. So there's a process by which you can request, sign up. We'll talk about that again at the end. And if you get selected, we will come out lock, stock, and barrel with all the equipment and process we're going to talk about and deliver the class in your town, and it costs you nothing. So with that, let's talk first about the class itself, the scenarios we mm -hmm. do, the interaction, the flow of the class, uh, some of the things that you guys each find exciting. Uh, Don, why don't you start us off? Yeah, well, um, there are seven scenarios that we go through over what seven, uh, over three days, sorry. The 11, uh, 11, 11 over the three days. We do sorry. seven in the two days, sorry. I know, I'm Ele sorry. 11 scenarios 11 in three days. 11 scenarios in three days. We, once again, we go back to never do math and try to do numbers <laughs> on uh, live podcasts. I apologize. The, the biggest thing for me is it, um, it this class is geared towards, uh, obviously, problem solving around critical incidents. But in, in addition to that, it allows people to uh, – be in multiple different roles and, and get experience doing multiple uh, within different roles uh, of a scenario. So a command role, a, a tactical role uh, on the fire side is uh, a triage, an actual a firefighter going down doing an EMS role. Um, it's one of the few classes that I've been part of in my 35 years uh, of public safety work where you actually get a chance to see everybody else's roles and understand it, which will help you in turn when we get to a, uh, a real live event to understand what everybody else is doing. Joe, what are the yeah. what are the things that you want to throw in about the class? And what you know, what do you like in terms of the mix and the scenarios? So I'll tell you what excites me about this class, and when we all uh, you know show up on scene to wherever across the nation that we've been, we've been everywhere from sea to shining sea with this course, uh, is the interaction between the, our agencies. Yeah. The fact that this is an as Bill said, it's the advanced active shooter incident management class. And we've learned from uh, most incidents that if there's failures, they often happen at that management level. And so if we collectively as a team can work through the problem set, if I can see what it is that law enforcement is up against, what they're doing, and if they see what we have, you know, our responsibilities are in, you know, for them stopping that threat and for us stopping that dying, 
then together we work and and being able to see this in its totality. It's one of the most exciting courses I've ever been involved in. I'm not just saying it because of, you know, Bill's here, but it really is because <laughs> we've we have the the course has has grown and evolved and we've listened to, you know, those of the students in class. We diligently look at the lessons learned and every incident across the nation and we've um it's a great product and for your agencies would will be able to see that big picture of how best to respond to and manage an active shooter incident pete how about you yeah bill i mean they've hit the the nail on the head and i think that to take advantage of all that uh what i like most about our class when we delivered is it's building relationships many times for the first time um going through all the 11 scenarios and so forth with those relationships and then seeing how each uh, performs in the roles, you start to build trust and confidence so that when, you know, they, they take our process out to the street and implement it, that um, they feel it's going to be successful. I mean, it's a great, great, great class. The, the thing that I love about the course is that one of the things that frustrated me, you know, when I was going to training back in the day is you'd get a bunch of lecture, 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 and it was very thin on hands-on. There was either no hands-on or it was so little that you didn't really get a chance to understand it, let alone really practice it. And this particular course, you know, morning, it's a three-day course. So the morning of day one, there's obviously some front-loaded lecture in the morning. I think we do about a two-hour lecture block in the morning, and that's the longest lecture that yep. we do. And then we drop into a scenario. And we're using, and we're going to talk about this more, I assume, a fairly high-end uh, computer simulation Very. system yeah. with, uh, it's like, you know, you've seen kids play Call of Duty. It's like 40 adults in the room <laughs> signed into computers playing Call of Duty, the mm -hmm. first-person point of view. But it, we can simulate amazingly well mm -hmm. the complexities of an actual event with the radio traffic and the confusion and the, and the decision-making and everything, all of that happening in real time. And so you get to practice it. And we were talking about this, I think, in another podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the first one's always a little bumpy, yeah. you know, and I get it. You know what is less bumpy? The second one. You know what's even less bumpy? The third one, <laughs> the fourth one. And usually by day two, it's usually lunchtime at day two. It's like there's a little switch that gets thrown and that light bulb goes on and people go, oh, I I get it. Now I, I get how these pieces fit together. I get what they're trying to get me to do. And all of a sudden we go from learning to practicing. There you go. Yep. And it becomes repetitive practice then in the afternoon of day two and again on day three. So this is one of the only classes that I've ever seen where you're running not one, not two, not three, 11 scenarios from dispatch to last patient transported with the full context and complexity of the entire incident, and you're getting to practice and experience that. And when you come out of this class, you've got experience. Mm -hmm. yep. You've got experience that can be directly applied, not just conceptual <laughs> knowledge, yep. but actual with the stress, with the stress oh, yeah. involved. Yes. And that's the thing. This class, uh, by default, it puts stress on you because you don't want to fail. You know, you don't have actual live bullets being shot at you. But at the same time, your management skills are right up there where I've got to make this go away. I've got to make this happen. Yeah. And, and in front of a room full of your peers. And and with dispatchers <laughs> and a PIO and, and uh, you know, administration there watching you. So 
well-rounded class. I mean, if you guys haven't taken it yet, uh, listen up to the end so you'll know uh, how to get this for free. One of the things, and you just hit on what I wanted to make sure we stress to folks, is that this isn't a class where you'll hear the word notional a lot. We don't (laughs) notionalize a lot. In a lot of classes, you have to say, well, dispatch would do a, you know, they would send out the call. Or, well, we would do a press briefing, to your point of those two. No, actually, you're going to, we all have radios. All of the students receive a radio. Dispatch is sending out that call, and you don't, and then you're in your seat, and you're, you go en route, and you sit in your seat. And it's the longest minute and a half or two minutes or however we've played it out because we want to add a sense of realism. If your life will be sitting in that chair waiting for your turn to arrive when you've arrived to whatever position we've assigned you with the 11 scenarios, you're going to get to play all of the positions within your discipline as well. So it's built so that it's, there's nothing we're notionalizing. We're actually responding. We're actually triaging patients. We're actually performing treatments on patients with a real-time bleeding um, model built in to where we can you can slow it down with actions, much like in real life. So it truly is the real deal. And, and I think, uh, Pete, I know you do the tactical coach position a lot, mm-hmm. tactical triage and transport. I think that a lot of students think, yeah, okay. <laughs> and, and then they walk up, and then the radio starts while they're you know, trying to figure out where they are on the map. And they're, they have a live view of the scene and they yep. see the contact teams in front of them. And, and then the radio calls again, and then the radio calls again. And eventually the fire department or EMS triage and transport officer shows up. Meanwhile, the phone is ringing off the hook and it's just a little bit of overload. I, I actually think tactical is the toughest job in the room. No, you know, absolutely, Bill. And, and, you know, I think our class uh, is a great no-fail environment in a sense also because, you know, just as you described, they're, they're drinking from a fire hose, deer in the headlights, but we can, we can practice again. We can practice the next scenario, and we coach you to success. Yes. That's, That's an it. important part. One, one of the founding tenets of our group has been coach to success. Uh, myself and a couple of the other founders had experiences in training in our career where you'd get a five-minute safety brief, told to go run a drill, and the drill took 15 minutes. And you listen to somebody who had less experience than you <laughs> yell and scream at you and tell you what a moron and how badly you did. And then you put your gear back on the truck and you went back out on the street. And having never learned, and we said we absolutely – I abhor that. We will not tolerate. We will not do that. And so we even took it a step further to say, we won't let somebody fail. Uh, whatever, as much or as little coaching as they need to, to be successful live during the scenario, when they're talking on the radio and people are trying to talk to them face to face and the phone's ringing and you as the coach, you have to find that moment of, all right, does he, does he know he missed this yet? Okay, I don't, I don't think he knows he missed this. So now I got to remind him. Okay, that reminder didn't work. He didn't hear me. Let me let me do it again. All right. And then, you know, up until the point where you finally go, okay, stop. I need you to do this, this thing. And is it is a I think one of the most powerful things. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody. And we establish, I think, very quickly a rapport with the audience on day one. We're not going to let you get embarrassed. We're not going to let you get humiliated. Everybody makes mistakes. We're going to talk about it in a positive way, and then we're going to move on and do it again. 
You know, I think we uh, we pride ourselves on how this class has evolved over the last ten years. Basically, Jill touched on some of it. Mm -hmm. The technology we've brought to the to the table um, to be able to coach you through individual benchmarks from our shot reports to team benchmarks to contact teams and oh, RTFs, yeah. how quickly they get down range, and you know, and, and from time to time we'll hear that. Oh, well, if this was real world, well, listen, this is real world when it comes to stress that you talked about. Yeah. We've simulated just about every real world experience in this class possible. And, um, you know, we see it and we can we can push you to train your brain. And when that transfers out to the to the street, when we hear that real world, it's the same decision making. Oh, yeah. It's just out. Here Absolutely. So, you get to play and, the game. You, you're and, playing and the, for life. And the, now, and the extremes we've gone to, I mean, we've got, hey, you want a helicopter? We got one. Yep. You want to do it law enforcement surveillance? Yep. Uh, we'll call them on the radio. What do you want to know? Uh, you need a medevac mission? We got that too. I yep. mean, it, it the, the levels that we've gone to make Absolutely. that about. All right. So let's jump from there to talking about the audience. Yeah. Who is the audience for this? What's the audience mix? Our attendance, participation. Jill, start us off. So who would respond to that? I mean, you, I, I would answer that question with a question like, who would you need to to um, stop that threat? you got to have your law enforcement partners. So if it's multiple threats, how, you know, how deep is your law enforcement? Does your law enforcement often re rely on mutual aid uh, partners to work with you? Then we need them involved as well. Okay, you're, um, if for fire and EMS, does your fire EMS, are they one agency? Do you have a separate fire department, a separate EMS? If you do, then they both need to be at the, at the table because in real Real life, you know, what those that will respond to an incident need to be there. And then you need to look beyond those ancillary players. We bring in dispatchers. We set up a full dispatch center and we need your dispatchers there. Because for, we for need all disciplines. For all disciplines. Your dispatchers for all disciplines. Good point, Don. Because that's who needs to learn that language, to learn that communication. And if they, you know, the dispatchers, they have the checklist as well. So you've got the checklist knowing if something was missed, we often rely on our dispatchers to remind us of those things. So because they've practiced with us, they've gone through those scenarios with us, your audience has got to be as vast and wide as your response would be. You know, those for, from the initial call, that first 911 call, when the first bullet is fired, through that last patient arriving at the hospital and receiving that, that care, that's those, all of those players in between. And, oh, yeah, by the way, the public's probably going to want to know what's going on as well. So do you have a PIO that, that works with you? Let's have them to the table. You know, yep. so we um, – every facet um, – Health department reunification. One of the things that uh, is taught in this class is reunification. So having uh, the partners that you would normally have within your uh, jurisdictions that would assist with that reunification, having them there, making them part of the scenario as well, uh, building upon those relationships. And the other thing, Bill, that uh, you've invited on a lot of our deliveries and you, you highly encourage is community leaders as well. Not only as administration within the agencies, but also community leaders to come. And if anything, witness what we're doing and how we're working together to ensure that their community is safe. Yeah, and I, and to be uh, explicitly clear for, for the audience, we're looking for a total of 60 people, mm -hmm. 30 law enforcement officers, 20 fire EMS, five dispatchers, and as you guys mentioned, covering all the disciplines. So 30 law enforcement, 20 fire EMS, five dispatchers, two public information officers, two emergency managers, and one helicopter pilot. And with that team we can go from a simple single shooter scenario where there's only three people shot, our bread and butter, simple thing, 
and all the way up to, by the end of day three, a complex coordinated attack yep. where you have multiple attackers with automatic weapons simultaneously attacking multiple sites. Mm -hmm. And we can manage all of that for across, across that audience spectrum. Now, let's talk a little bit, because this is, uh, because of the DHS funding, there are some rules about this. So you have to attend 80% of the class, and, and we know not to do math in public. That's half, the, <laughs> half a day. Uh, but I will, I will tell you, you really can't miss day one. If you miss day one, you'll end up in the weeds. But you have to be there for 80% uh, uh, of the class in order to be eligible for a certificate. Now, we always tell people, look, if you've got to miss more than that, we understand. We still invite them to come back, but you just know you're not going to get a certificate. You've got a pretest and a post-test. You have to complete the post-test with a, uh, an 80% or better a completion score, which generally is not a problem in this class, because by the time you've done eleven scenarios over three days, you you know the answers pretty pretty doggone well for first firsthand. Uh, the other challenge that we have is that because of the size and scope of the scenarios we're running, we cannot do it with a small class. If you short fill the class, if you know it's a class for sixty people, and there's a reason we got sixty. If you put 30 people in the class, we're going to struggle. We're going to struggle to do some of the scenarios because we physically don't have enough bodies. And Jill mentioned earlier notionalizing things. We try not to notionalize tasks or things that we have yeah. to do, but sometimes we have to notionalize people because you didn't get them there in the class. Yeah. And and each of you have experience yes. in doing oh, yeah. classes that got short-filled. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it can be quite frustrating to the very people that are there trying to learn because uh, yeah. you know fill in the blank reason that we didn't we didn't publish well I emailed all the training officers yeah okay so you read every one of your emails I don't you know yep. I'm, I'm getting about classes, two and a quarter yeah. 250 a day I don't read them all yeah, yeah, you want to you want to follow. This is a follow up class. If you are responsible, the point of contact, you want to follow up um, with those that you've invited. You definitely want to. Anyone on your waiting list, you have them ready, ready to attend, um, because it's truly something that the quality of training and we haven't had a single class yet where. Those that have not been able to fill all the spots, or we get there and it's a short class, and you know we um, where they've said they felt regret those points of contact. It's like, oh, you know, we really. If I'd only up. known. If I'd have yeah. known, it was going to be like. I mean, uh, but you know, we we're. I yeah, I've got so many more people. <laughs> and, and then, and then <laughs> there's only and, then, and then there's the inevitable rules about things you can and cannot say. Um, when, well, when that kind of stuff happens. Yeah, and, and we all know when we have to fill in as instructors to try to make the class go, then it just it detracts from us being able to, you know, coach, coach you success. Um, yep. You know, so it's important that, that we have those classes full with a diversity of responders. Now that said, I, I am very proud of the team of instructors that we have that no matter what, they make that class successful. Oh, yeah. They do the adjustments that they need to, and they make the class successful. And we still make sure that the participants that are there have as positive an experience and a good of experience so that they get a chance to walk away. We don't shortcut the scenarios. We don't, you know, we don't do things like that in order to get done. Uh, we still make it done, but that's a, that's a big one. And I would also tell the POCs and we, and I believe Steve in our office who coordinates a lot of this mm -hmm. tells them as well, Go ahead and book sixty-five. Yes. If all sixty-five show up, we'll 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 handle it. We'll it's it okay. We'll make it work. Yep. Uh, but on any given day, with a group of sixty people, 
somebody's life gonna happens. get sick. Life, life happens. happens. Somebody's right. kid's sick at school. Yeah. They got to go pick them up. Yeah. They get called for a deposition last minute. You know, something, something always critical comes incident up. the night before with one agency and or something. To that point, Bill, no one during the eleven scenarios. There's ne- very rarely a time. Maybe that first scenario because we, you know, you start. It's a, a little crawl, bit walk, of a run. crawl walk run. <laughs> yeah. the, that first scenario, but after that, there's no one just sitting like you guys just watch this one this time. There's no position for that. No, there's no hiding. There's no hiding. <laughs> there's, we have there's, a there's position, no hiding. Uh, yeah, right, right. we have a position and a place and a role for everyone, all sixty. It's opportunity for enhancement Absolutely. by every position. Yeah. I, I always use the example of how many of y'all have been to an IC class where you sat in the back of the room with your arms oh, yeah, folded no. going yeah it's not the way i'd do it yeah <laughs> really yeah. all right skippy let's Show find us. out exactly <laughs> right. we're gonna know how you do it because there's no the other thing i want to mention that's important before we leave audience is the ratio there's a reason that we have 30 law enforcement and 20 fire ems and that's because there's more work for law enforcement than there is for fire ems in these things so if you let's say you you get short on on coppers and you only got 10 you, you you can't balance that out by putting 40 fire in the room. Yep. It, it will not work. You'll have 20 of them standing around because we don't have enough cops to put them to work. Um, likewise, with the emergency manager positions, um, and we've seen this happen in other places, they get short. And so in order not to come up with less than 60 is they stuff it with seven or eight emergency management positions. And it's always an uncomfortable conversation to say, okay, there's eight of you here. Which two are taking the class? Because there's only two seats for emergency managers. So just be aware that the ratios are there for a reason, and they really, really matter in, in, how, we, in how we do the class. So from there, let's talk about what we need in the way of facilities. Our favorite topic is instructors. Um, so here's the minimum ask is 5,000 square feet of open space. In other words, EOCs are not a good location. You can't move the furniture out of the way. 5,000 square feet of open space and three 20-amp circuits, 60 amps of power, and we're not kidding about no. that. Yeah, the technology that's involved in this with the power that's used with the computers and the, and the simulators, uh, we've seen it. We've been to places where they've told us they have 60 amps, and uh, we've had to uh, run extension cords from several of the buildings to keep uh, some stuff from popping. So it's uh, we always make it work, but we always have the same criteria, too. So everybody understands the criteria. Oh, yeah. Um, but it, it and you might as well tell us where your breaker panel is because yeah, we're exactly. going to pop breakers. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. But uh, but there's so many there's so many opportunities. And like we mentioned earlier, with the community, there are churches that can be used during the week. There are uh, civic centers, community centers, some hotels that are not using their uh, meeting space that can be used as long as it's five, at least five thousand square foot. Single level. We have run oh, into yeah. uh, uh, some uh, an issue one time. Talk, where talk it was, about that. Yeah. So we were actually uh, delivering a class Don't in a state. Okay. And uh, we were uh, we were given their EOC to utilize, and it was not the optimum place. And actually, I think we were told we were going to be in another location. But anyway, it is what it is. Uh, but it was two levels. So one of the senior fire chiefs, and when I say senior, I mean he had 40-plus years, I think, in the fire service. He was quite gray. Yes. Um, was transitioning. So how we set up our, our – when, when we set these classes up, 
we have multiple stations and, and we try to utilize some different rooms if possible. Uh, but th- it gives people a chance to actually a little, it's realism. You're having to move around. You can't see and talk to somebody through. So part of this by having two levels is, is some of the uh, rooms were downstairs. Upstairs, obviously, this one person was transitioning downstairs, slipped. It was not a good day. I don't think he returned, uh, which set a rule. So everything and, and always he, sets he, a rule. He, he was okay, but had, to life. he, he had to go to the yeah. emergency yeah. room no. and be evaluated, and he <laughs> yeah. was he was pretty yeah. bruised up. And yeah. and we had told the host up front, um, we we that it was not a good idea. Yep. Uh, it and was it not, rained that day. That was another thing. Yeah, I mean, it was it a just, lot of factors. And, and sure enough, and that was the first and only time we allowed a class to be done over two levels. And the first scenario out of the gate, uh, he goes tumbling down the stairs. And I just you know, shook my head and went, we're not ever doing this again. Yep. So single level, when you go to uh, apply for this class, single level, at least 5,000 square foot, uh, at least three 20-amp uh, services. And... Um, Hey, preferably on the first floor. Who, yes. Who uh, among you have had to do the elevator routines with our yes. gear? Yes. Yeah. So when we, uh, well, I'll let Pete. Pete's pushed a lot more of those carts than I have. So Pete, you can talk about pushing all those carts up. Mm. Yeah. I mean, this this class we come with a lot of technology and a lot of equipment. Um, you know, to make it the most successful class possible for you know the attendees. And, uh, you know, talking about it all kind of folds into one thing is, you know, the power and all the facilities. If something goes wrong with it, it takes away from the engagement and the learning process of, of those attending. And we've seen it. We've seen it. You know, mm-hmm. folks get really involved in, especially on the computers and so forth, that they're, they're excited that they're learning. They're excited that they're excelling. And if we have a lot of things kind of go sideways, then, you know, it gets frustrating. So for us, rolling in equipment, it helps us for setup. We've gotten a lot better now. We put a lot of effort into doing down the, the setup time so we can provide that class quickly. Um, so, yes, you know, the, the ease in and out, ingress and egress, well thought out for us. Um, and just to, let me set the context. So we're not talking about carrying pelicans of laptops. It is a 30-foot trailer with a quarter million dollars worth of equipment, road cases that are six foot long. We need roadies, by the way. Six foot high, yeah. roadies. 30 <laughs> inches wide. I'm sorry, Don, I couldn't quite make yeah. that out. Yeah. Um, and and weigh hundreds and hundreds of pounds. So when you tell us that you want to host it on the second floor or the third floor or the fourth floor, our very next question is, How's that getting there? Um, where's your freight elevator? Freight elevator. Right. And what is the size of the freight elevator? And we always get the same answer. We have a freight elevator. It's rated for thousands of pounds, and it's full size. It's big. Well, give us the dimensions. Okay, yeah, it's big. It'll fit. It'll fit that. It'll fit that. And we show up. There's no freight elevator, and it's not big enough. Which leads me to the point that having a facilities point of contact for whatever venue you're using is extremely important. On you know, on the phone right away. Uh, I think there was one venue. We thought we were like jam up, you know. Everything was going great except when we opened up the double doors. The center bar had a lock to it, and we couldn't get the lock out because we couldn't get a point of contact to facilities person. Oh yeah, we were stuck. Yeah, it, it you know. So it's little things like that. You know, it may not seem you know that important, but it's kind of important to keep the flow of the setup going so that we're not delayed getting the class started uh, when it's ready to start. And we set up the day before, folks. This is not a. The, it yeah. takes four to five hours for us to set up. Yeah. So we set up the, the day before the first day of class 
And yeah, Pete, I mean, I I actually remember the one you're talking about. You've got you got the double emergency exit doors, and there's this bar that sits in between the two of them, and you can release it. But without that bar out of the way, you can't get the row cases it's through the door. It's a single door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a single door yeah, that's too a, narrow. It's a, exactly. Yeah. And if you're to to get a visual, if, I mean, we. We look like we're bringing a Grammy award-winning performer yeah, when we start like rolling out with it. Is. Yeah, and then um, we're we're super active on social media. So if you want to see like the setup, it's not just the Pelican case. I mean, we'll have eight tables that seat thirty-two with computers at each station, with you know it, poles and the the um, cabling run across all. So this is a it's a major operation. This isn't just we're going to open up a Pelican case and and throw a Counter Strike board, which we do that as well. But that's you know by the way we do that as well. But wait, there's more. And uh, <laughs> but we need that room, that that access, and that um, those utilities. You know, one of the ways we're committed to our host bill now is you know, since we trailer our own equipment, right? Um, on the point of dropping off that equipment, a lot of the drivers, I know myself, I'm looking for that point of contact to spend a little time with me. I'm doing a little pre-scouting of the Smart. of the venue for the next team coming in to try to avoid some of these little pitfalls that we run into because it's it's so important, folks. We we're so you know proud of what we're bringing to you. Um, we want it set up as as best as possible to be the, the, you know, the nicest venue for your attendees. So, Yeah, and I, I, Pete, I think that's a really good point. So our, uh, one of our instructors, uh, at, after the end of a delivery, uh, one of our instructors is designated to, to drive the truck and uh, the trailer, move the gear to the next site. We're doing pretty much a class every week. So it's, uh, sometimes we try to schedule them close enough so that it's a one-day drive. That doesn't always work. Uh, but we the uh, instructor will take the truck and trailer to the next course site immediately following the, the last one. And so you're there three, four, sometimes five days ahead of the delivery. Drop the trailer off, which we want to be in a enclosed, fenced-in, secured space for the reasons I mentioned earlier. Uh, and then to go get a peek at the venue and see if there's going to be any logistical challenges that we have. So we have time to fix them. Mm -hmm. And then that instructor takes the truck, goes to the airport, puts it in the airport parking lot. That instructor flies home. And then three, four days later, the next team flies in, yep. gets the truck, goes and gets the trailer and drives in and sets it up. It's a, it is an honest to goodness road show. We just change out the instructor team uh, every week so that we've got a, a fresh team going in. Anything out about logistics before – I'm sorry, anything else about facilities before we – Well, I think some of the – I kind of already stumbled into logistics a little bit. Yeah, I think for facilities, um, you know, we kind of all know when we arrive on scene, <laughs> we can kind of look at – kind of size up a venue and go, this is actually going to be a really good class based on facility and venue. Um, certainly sometimes it's just unavoidable, you know, but – uh, larger restroom facilities to get people in and out of breaks quicker. Um, you know, some of the hosts that uh, already have restaurant lists put together, uh, just little, you know, housekeeping yeah. items that make the flow of tables, the class go. Tables and, and chairs. Tables and chairs for, you know, the facility overall experience. Yeah, we don't need a shoot house. We, no. We're, we're not shooting simulations. We do not need an old, out-of-commissioned school that no longer has working air conditioners or janitorial service. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, I guess I probably should say air conditioning is a big air one. Air conditioning was a big one. Air this turned off during the summer. <laughs> Remember that, the class. 
<laughs> a delivery. We were in a class uh, scenario, and it was raining inside the school building because the school uh, board turned the air conditioners off during the summertime. So we it made was, it work. Uh, it was an uncomfortable. And you, know, and you said we made it work. It's not. It, it's not that we're complaining for us as instructors. Absolutely, we will make no, the anything for the work. The experience for the students. Experience for the students. Yeah. So uh, we kind of stumbled into logistics, talking a little bit about mm -hmm. the trailer and that kind of stuff. So some of the expectations of the point of contact. So planning for this delivery typically starts about three months ahead of time uh, where we get the date set up. And the first priority is for them to pick a venue, obviously. Uh, and we've just talked plenty about that. But then to coordinate the registrations, yep. uh, advertise the course locally, fill it, put butts in seats, however you want to do it. Um, stay in contact with our instructor team. So at least six weeks out, we will assign a lead instructor who will communicate with the point of contact and they'll ask where you at on your registration numbers. What's our mix? How many different agencies are coming? Multiple agencies, multiple jurisdictions is a good thing, not a bad thing. Yes. Those classes are so much better than the occasions where we'll go into an area and they stuff it all with their own folks uh, it's not as good a it's it's not as good of experience for the audience as when uh, we have multiple agencies involved. The uh, communicating with the driver, uh, the driver will typically communicate one to two weeks ahead of time to talk about drop off locations and specifics. And again, that driver is an instructor, so yeah. they understand the class very well. Uh, securing the thing, being available to us. Uh, meeting us day of when we go to do the setup, being available. You don't you don't have to sit there for the four or five hours, but being available by phone if problems come up. There's little stuff that comes up all the time. What am I forgetting on the logistics side? Well, we access our training venue at you know usually six thirty seven a.m. on the first first day of class, right? Oh yeah. So um, instructors know, are always on. So class starts at eight a.m. Instructors are always there at least one hour before start time. The the uh, security of the facility once we're done setting up, you know that That's we have. That's big one. And then the uh, last night for breakdown and right. getting out of there to have a facilities manager there or somebody. Yeah, that that breakdown happens after class, immediately after yeah, class. After so the we third had night. a um, you know a guy that was like, uh, "It's uh, how much longer are you guys going to be in?" You know, it's well, we're going to be a couple of hours. You know, understanding and and that's you know communicating that not just to the point of contact, but making sure the point of contact communicates that to whoever's going to be on site there for us. Yeah, and and if you're a high ranking person and you're going to be the POC, yeah. then be the POC. Don't be the high-ranking person who's the POC on paper and delegate it to somebody else today and somebody else tomorrow yeah. because these messages get lost. Now, I will say on the teardown, after the third day the third day of class, teardown takes us an hour to an hour and a half. So setup takes four or five hours, but teardown goes mm -hmm. much, much faster. And we usually uh, try to get uh, the timing set up where we can tear down and still get everybody to the airport and get home that night. That's not always possible. Right. But, so we're we're motivated to move quickly on that on that last day and get it and get it torn down. Anything else on logistics? No. All right. Parking. That's the only other thing is make sure well, there's plenty of parking yeah. for the 60 people because we have been in locations also to where the venue was big enough, but there wasn't uh, enough parking or ingress and egress. So. I, I remember one we hosted at an actual international airport and we were on the secure side. And yeah. boy, oh boy, that created some interesting challenges ah, getting yeah. everybody through on time. All right. So then our final piece that is is dance 
is uh, the funding mechanism and how to sign up for that. As I mentioned at the opening, uh, this class is funded by the Department of Homeland Security National Domestic Preparedness Cor Consortium, which is part of FEMA. So it's DHS, FEMA, NDPC, funded through TEKS and the ALERT program. They basically contract with us to go out and do these deliveries for responders. So they pick up the tab and you don't have to pay. The sign-up will take you about 90 seconds. Go to our website, c3pathways.com, and right on the training link, when you click training, the, I, I think it's the very first one, says request DHS-funded delivery. Click on that. It'll pull up a little form. There's about a dozen things for you to fill out. Most of them is very, are very, very quick. It'll, I mean, it literally take you less than two minutes to fill out this form and submit it. And that gets you in the queue. That's the first step. Now, I'll, I'll caution everybody. We're funded this year to do more than we ever have been before. So we're funded to do 36 deliveries uh, this year across the country. We have, as of last night, 150 agencies in the queue. And, and that was as last night. We are not going to get to everybody. We can't do everybody. But there's all kinds of rules we have to follow about where we go and how you get selected. It is not first come, first serve. We typically will not do more than one delivery for a given agency or even in one specific community unless it happens to be a very large metro area, in which case we would do one at one end and one at the other end or something like that. And they will typically be spread out by a few years. So don't be afraid to sign up. It costs you nothing to sign up. It hurts nothing. And when you get the phone call from Steve or whoever in our office that says, well, and here's the other note, we schedule geographically, uh, aforementioned trailer and truck. Yeah. We try to schedule the next venue to be within 500 miles or less of the last venue. So as we travel the country, uh, we will call to whoever, whatever region we're going into, we'll look at the map, figure out who the hosts are that have requested, and then we'll call them and say, these are the date ranges where we're going to be there. Can you do one this date or this date? And if you say yes, chances are pretty high you're going to get that delivery. If you say, nope, sorry, I can't do those dates, we'll leave you in the queue, but you're not going to get a delivery. So I think that's the gist of how to do that. So again, c3pathways.com. And Carla, let's put this uh, put the link the, in the show notes. Um, c3pathways.com. Click on the training uh, link and then request DHS-funded training and fill now, out the form. Now, Bill, is there a way for people if they have seizure money or they have training money and they want to pay for the class outside of free – uh, a free DHS delivery? Is there a way for people to do that if they are sitting on some training funds that they want to? Uh, yes, there is. And we do that all the time. Uh, in fact, we're doing almost as many what we would call enterprise deliveries that are funded outside of DHS as we are doing DHS deliveries. Uh, just give, give us a call at the office or send us an email. You can send an email to info, I-N-F-O, info at C3pathways.com. Or just uh, give the office a call and ask for Steve, and he can give you the specifics on that and, and talk you through the scheduling opportunities. But that is also a way to do it, and thank you for mentioning that. All right, and I think that covers everything and fulfills our promise. Yeah. Awesome. Again, it's a $62,000 class that you can get for free. We'd love to see you. For free. Worth it. Sign up. We'd love to see every one of you. Absolutely. All Absolutely. right. Absolutely.
Don, Jill, Pete, thank you guys for yeah. coming in. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation about the ASIM Advanced class. Uh, and if you have not subscribed or liked the podcast, please do that wherever you consume podcasts. Or if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're working on increasing our content count, uh, including pushing out some new YouTube shorts. Uh, all kinds of great stuff coming. Uh, I want to say thank you to Carla Torres, our producer. And until next time, stay safe.